Welcome to the coronavirus apocalypse. I'm Thomas. And I'm Jim. <laughs> I wrote that like four hours ago. I don't know why I'm giggling. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jim's giggle that day. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Today we'll be discussing how the state senate is dealing with the coronavirus, Michigan demands paid sick leave in the wake of the disaster, Medicaid work rules are being blasted with the corona hype, Whitmer's borrowing plan just jumped to $5 billion, and the House approves a plan for secondary education. Should we at least tell people that this is actually the Holmes Politicast? <laughs> oh, yeah, we probably should. <laughs> so this is actually the Holmes Politicast. Uh, we did not change our name to <laughs> Coronavirus Apocalypse. That's the name of a band. That, that does sound like a good band we could, name. We actually, can make a band name out of it. Actually, yes. I like that idea. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jim, what do you got for us today? Uh, we got the school closings, uh, a gay couple suing the Michigan Department of Corrections, and a bill to add gender identity to the sex education for public schools. All right. Sounds exciting. So coronavirus has been all the rage the last week, and articles are coming out left and right on how the coronavirus is going to impact government and society and all this kind of stuff. So I pulled just a few articles that are kind of highlighting the hype. So our first article is from BridgeMichigan.com. The title of the article is Fever But Must Work. Will Coronavirus Change Paid Sick Leave in Michigan? So the article is by Ted Roloffs of Bridge, Michigan. So the article talks first about the fact that many Michiganders cannot take adequate sick leave, especially in an environment such as ours where we've got concerns about coronavirus. And, and with people advised to be staying home and not congregating in large groups, it makes it's difficult for people that need to go to work every day to follow these requests by the government for help in dealing with this issue. So the article says, many low-wage and hourly employees work in businesses with fewer than 50 workers, which, under a controversial Michigan law passed in 2018 by a Republican legislature and governor, means they generally have no legal right to paid sick leave. As coronavirus enters Michigan, the state's restricted sick leave law is sure to draw renewed debate, though not among Senate and House GOP leaders, at least for now. Amber McCain, spokeswoman for the GOP Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, declined comment when asked if Shirky would consider legislation to expand sick leave given the potential for the spread of coronavirus. It's not a topic that has come up, she said. Bridge also reached out to a spokesperson for the GOP House Speaker, Lee Chatfield, on the issue of sick leave covered in Michigan, but has not yet heard back. Asked whether the Michigan Chamber of Commerce would support expanded sick leave for Michigan residents, spokesperson Wendy Block sent a statement referencing discussions at the federal level. Given the rate at which the coronavirus continues to spread, we are encouraged that the president and congressional leaders seem to agree in principle that there may be a need to provide wage and other support for impacted workers and businesses alike. Low-wage workers with no paid sick leave, such as restaurant staff, often feel that they have no choice but to show up for work despite a troubling cough or fever. 
That puts them a sneeze away from untold thousands of Michigan residents who frequent bars and restaurants on any given night. So the article continues to talk about um, how many cases there are of coronavirus in the United States, um, how many in Michigan, people wondering, you know, how do I pay for stuff? The article ends with, under the initiative, employers with more than 10 workers were required to provide up to 72 hours of paid sick time a year to all employees. Employers with fewer than 10 workers would have to provide 40 hours paid and 32 hours unpaid a year. Business groups led by the Michigan Chamber strongly opposed the measure, saying it was a well-meaning but reckless policy that would hamper the state's economic recovery since the Great Recession. So the article continues along these lines, um, you know, talking about where the deaths are. Um, it does mention that uh, 19 of 23 coronavirus deaths are linked to Seattle area nursing homes. Our second piece is uh, from Michigan Advance. The title is GOP wants feds to reinstate Medicaid work rules even as coronavirus hits Michigan. It's a little bit of a misleading headline. Republicans wanted the feds to reinstate Medicaid work rules before coronavirus, so that is not an opinion, that's fact. That can go in the news segment as my producer stares at me. <laughs> the article is by Anna Liz Nichols, and it says, As Michigan prepares for and fights against the global pandemic of coronavirus, House Republicans on Thursday passed a resolution to ask for the federal government to reestablish work requirements for Medicaid eligibility. There's a particular concern about how lower income people will cope with the pandemic as they have fewer resources for medical care. House Concurrent Resolution 17, sponsored by State Representative Jason Shepard, asks U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services Alex Azar to appeal a federal court ruling that waived work requirements for Medicaid in Michigan. It passed 56 to 51 and is now before the Michigan Senate. Michigan implemented in 2018 the Healthy Michigan Plan Work Standard, which requires individuals to report work and qualifying activities to be eligible for health care. On March 4th, a federal judge ruled that the rules were unlawful. So we've been over this case a little bit. It's being you know, hyped up because now there's uh, some kind of thing going on, pandemic or whatever. So we'll be talking about this one. Again, like I said, in our opinion segment, along with the other two. Uh, I'm not going to go fully into this article. You can look at it in our show notes. There's a lot here, a lot that Miss uh, Nichols is whining about, but we're, we're going to move past her and, uh, I mean, talking about... So the third article is an opinion from the Detroit Free Press by Danielle Atkinson. Now, this one's a lot more scathing than most of the articles that we talk about. Um, this one we'll definitely be talking about more in our opinion segment. She says, with the first cases of coronavirus diagnosed in Michigan, it is important to realize that some 1.5 million Michigan workers won't have the option to stay home if they are sick, thanks to the actions of former Governor Rick Snyder and Republican leaders in the closing months. So while quarantine, staying at home and not going to work will be the key advice to halt the spread of this pandemic that's not really an option for one out of three Michigan workers. Many of those are poorly paid workers in restaurants or retail operations who must work even when they are sick, spreading disease, because not working while sick could mean they won't be able to pay bills, buy food, or make their rent and car payments. 
And she says, Michigan had a chance to fix this. But in November 2018, Michigan's Republican state government leaders overturned a citizen-supported law that required businesses to allow their employees to earn pay sick, paid sick leave. She says, yes, I am politicizing this. I am weaponizing the virus because the leadership of one political party weaponized the legislative process against working men and women. Because it deserves to be weaponized and used against politicians, many of whom are still in office, who put Michigan at greater risk than necessary. Now, this was, this was published in the Detroit Free Press, quite a big uh, newspaper, so we will be covering this more in depth on Friday. Uh, now, moving away from the coronavirus for a little bit, we'll give you guys a break. Jim, could you bring us... Uh, well, actually, mine has to do with the coronavirus. Oh, okay. The so we're going back, back to coronavirus. Just just the first one. Just, just the, the first okay. one. Okay. Okay. Go ahead with it. All right. On the topic of the pandemic, Whitmer orders all Michigan schools to close for three weeks to mitigate the coronavirus spread. And Governor Whitmer ordered all public and private Michigan schools to close for three weeks starting Monday, drastically escalating the state's response to a coronavirus outbreak that has officially infected 12 residents in seven counties. The announcement during a late-night news conference came as officials said 10 more COVID-19 cases have been confirmed in Michigan, raising the tally to 12. Already, some K-12 schools had announced weeks-long closures, and others had begun training staff to potentially move to online learning only. Michigan, Kentucky, Maryland, Ohio, and New Mexico became the first U.S. states to shut all K-12 schools over coronavirus concerns. Whitmer acknowledged mass closures from Monday through April 6th would be challenging for businesses and the parents of 1.61 million school-aged children. I urge businesses to do everything they can to support employees at this time, Whitmer said. Some parents will need to stay home with their children. Not every parent has the ability to do this, though. Not every parent has paid leave, though I think they should. The governor added, the business must step up and provide help if their families need it. Whitmer's sweeping order could have widespread and unknown effects on daily life in Michigan over the next three weeks in order to keep children and adults from congregating in the close quarters of school buildings. About 54% of all children in public schools eat breakfast at school, while nearly 7 in 10 kids are eligible for free or reduced lunches at school, according to state data. Obviously, there are ramifications to these decisions, Whitmer said Thursday. We think it's in the best interest of the health of our population to take these steps. But we are cognizant of the fact that we have a lot of children in Michigan who get two or three of their meals in the school place. Whitmer said the three-week closure lines up with the vast majority of one-week spring break recesses that schools had planned over the next month. Schools that have spring break the week of April 6th are being encouraged to change their schedule and resume classes that week, Whitmer said. All of that is dependent, of course, on where the facts take us and what we think is the appropriate and responsible thing in terms of starting classes back up, Whitmer said. This order is not in perpetuity, as we need to adjust and extend, I will along the way. Prior to the governor's announcement, large public school districts in southeast Michigan had already announced closures for students on Friday to give administrators and teachers a day to prepare for the potential long-term shutdowns to mitigate the spread of coronavirus in the region. The moves by suburban school districts and affluent communities to prepare for holding classes online may be more challenging in urban and rural school districts, where the rate of households with access to broadband internet service is lower. Nikolai Vitti, superintendent of Detroit Public Schools, 
said Wednesday in a letter to district employees that Michigan's largest school system is not in a position or need to cancel school at this point. As you know, online learning is not at a scale option for the vast majority of our students and families, Vidi wrote. However, as a district, we are committed to ensure your health and safety and that of our students. Rochester superintendent said that school officials are trying to figure out how many families in their affluent suburban community don't have broadband internet service at home. One of the things we're doing is trying to survey our community to see who has access to online, but who actually has a device, Shaner said. I think Nicolay's right that scalability is an issue, and it's something we're all going to have to work on. So, moving from Whitmer on coronavirus to Whitmer on the roads, this has been an issue we've been definitely following, a $3.5 billion issue that we've been following. And uh, Mighty Michigan, he reports that uh, Whitmer's $3.5 billion borrowing plan would cost taxpayers $1.5 billion in interest payments. So the article is by Amelia Hamilton, and she starts off, When Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer circumvented state lawmakers to borrow $3.5 billion for roads and bridges, it seems like a lot for funds she's only allowed to use on less than 10% of the state's roads. Now the true cost of her plan is coming out, and it's even higher. Whitmer's plan will cost Michigan taxpayers $5 billion when $1.5 billion in interest is added to the original $3.5 billion bond. Senate Appropriations Committee Chairman Jim Stamos of Midland estimated, that $1.5 billion in interest is enough to cover the budget for Detroit Public Schools, the state's largest district, for nearly two years. Instead of that money staying with taxpayers or going to fund public services, it is being spent to finance a debt the governor took on by doing an end run around Michigan's spending safeguards and taxpayers' elected representatives. Michigan families need an affordable solution that fixes the roads and doesn't saddle them with decades of debt, Stamus said in a statement. Michigan's constitution intended for the people to be consulted in transportation bonding decisions, he said. This year, just four months after she vetoed a $400 million increase to fix local roads, the governor rushed a $3.5 billion road bonding scheme, which will cost taxpayers over $5 billion to pay off. Bonding is a financing tool that creates debt. It is not a long-term funding plan to fix the roads. The rest of the article will be available in our show notes, and we will be covering it much more fully in our opinion segment as well. Jim, would you like to bring us your next headline? Yeah, this one's about a lesbian couple working in Michigan prisons, and they're suing over discrimination. This is from Lansing. Two lesbian corrections officers are suing the Michigan Department of Corrections for discrimination in a case that could test the scope of Michigan's Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act. For years, Officer Michelle Wood was taunted and called demeaning and homophobic names, denied promotion, and subjected to a series of discriminatory and retaliatory internal investigations after she complained about her treatment, according to the lawsuit filed Monday in Wayne County Circuit Court. Wood's partner, Sergeant Loretta Smith, has also been subjected to a hostile work environment and was recently demoted to the midnight shift in retaliation for Wood's complaints, the suit alleges. The suit is the latest in a series of complaints brought against the Corrections Department by employees who allege they have faced various forms of workplace discrimination, including racial discrimination and sexual harassment, and then faced 
retaliatory discipline after they complained. Several of those cases have been upheld by court or resulted in out-of-court settlements. Wood, 52, who worked at Thumb Correctional Facility in Lapeer, retired in October after more than 25 years of service. She says she began complaining about her treatment in 2008, prompting a series of retaliatory investigations into alleged violations of work rules. It doubled my stress level, to say the least, Wood told the Free Press. Eventually, she was unable to face the hostile MDOC environment any longer and alleges in the lawsuit she was essentially fired. Wood's partner of 17 years, Loretta Smith, 53, still works at The Thumb. In addition to facing continued harassment and discrimination, Smith alleges she is being retaliated against because of Wood's repeated complaints about their treatment. Chris Gates, a spokesman for the Corrections Department, declined to comment on specific allegations in the lawsuit, citing the pending legislation. The MDOC takes allegations of discrimination in the workplace, no matter what type, race, sex, orientation, identity, seriously, and investigate such claims as soon as they become known to the department, Gates said. Also, retaliation is not tolerated in this department, and all claims of such are investigated with the utmost seriousness. Smith used to work at Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility near Ypsilanti. Both she and her partner say things got worse after Smith transferred to the Thumb in 2015, bringing them together in the same workplace. Wood and Smith could not even converse or eat lunch together as their heterosexual counterparts would without judgment, looks, and comments from others, the suit alleges. Michigan's Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act bans discrimination based on sex, including discrimination based on pregnancy, and also bans sexual harassment, but it doesn't specifically mention sexual orientation. The Michigan Civil Rights Commission says gay people are covered under the definition of discrimination on the basis of sex. Michigan's former Attorney General, Republican Bill Schutte, said in a 2018 opinion that gay and transgender people are not covered by the law. But the current Attorney General, Democrat Dana Nessel, disagrees with that opinion and told the commission it is not bound by the opinion Schutte issued. As a petition drive and legislative issues continue to make explicit the ban on discrimination against gay people, the lawsuit brought by Wooden Smith could be a groundbreaking case, said Jonathan Marco, their Detroit attorney. All right, thanks for that, Jim. All right, so we're going to speed up the... No, we're going to move a little faster through these next couple articles. Um, this one's from the GOP House. Uh, House approves bipartisan plan to connect residents with in-demand jobs. So it says, State Representative Ben Frederick today led the Michigan House in approving a bipartisan plan to establish a new grant program aimed at helping people age 25 and older learn the skills they need to land a well-paying, in-demand job with growing Michigan businesses. Frederick of Owasso said that the House's vote today, combined with $35 million in funding set aside in a supplemental budget measure approved earlier this week, is a significant step forward for the Michigan Reconstruct grant program. So this article is a lot, uh, has a lot to do with Michigan Reconstruct, it is now being considered for extra funding by both Republicans and Democrats in the Michigan House. So this is something we'll discuss a little bit more in the opinion segment. Um, government getting involved in, you know, private um, sector, you know, training and work. The article does end with House bills 5576 and 5580 now advanced to the Senate for further consideration. I would imagine those are both 
a part of this Michigan Reconnect program. So we'll be keeping an eye on those and seeing how they progress. Um, Jim? Yeah, for my last article, I have that lawmakers and education officials are looking to inject gender politics into Michigan schools. State Representative Rachel Hood, a Democrat from Grand Rapids, has introduced a bill in the Michigan House that would require public school sex education classes to include lessons on the subjects of gender identity and gender expression. Hood, along with 20 Democratic co-sponsors, introduced the bill on February 19th, after which it was assigned to the Committee on Education. The bill would amend the state school code so that if a school board chooses to offer sex education classes, something optional under Michigan law, it must comply with the new requirement. The bill states instruction and materials must teach pupils about gender, gender expression, and gender identity, and must explore the harm of negative gender stereotypes. In 2017, the Williamston Public Schools Board's Board of Education adopted a policy that allowed its students to choose their own gender. That policy is being challenged in court by parents who sued the school board and the district. The school district stated in a court filing, the policy then continues that the district will accept the gender identity that each student asserts based on the student's legitimately held belief and that the district will customize support to allow students equal access to the district's educational programs and activities. One school district official has declared his own gender identity in public emails. The executive director of communications for Grand Rapids Public Schools, for example, now includes his email footer, the words he, him, his, as his preferred pronouns. All right, thanks for that, Jim. Our last article comes from Senator Jim Stamus. Uh, we mentioned him earlier. He is the Senate Appropriations Committee chairman, and he put out this article directly on his website. It says, after the Michigan Senate on Thursday sent the governor a $371 million it says the Michigan Senate on Thursday sent the governor a $371 million budget supplemental to address the coronavirus outbreak and restore more of her fiscal year 2020 vetoes and transfers. Senate Appropriations Committee Chairman Jim Stamos of Midland issued the following statement. The funding comes at a critical time as we work to meet new challenges facing Michigan. The confirmation of two cases of coronavirus in Michigan we are directing vital support to help state and local authorities combat and respond to the virus. So a little later in the article, it says the supplemental budget bill restores more of the governor's punitive cuts, such as support for local hospitals, people with disabilities, job training, county fairs, agriculture, and Pure Michigan tourism promotion programs. It also includes funds to address new concerns like shoreline erosion due to historically high water levels. It ends with a quote from Stamos, I am committing to working with the governor to enact a responsible state budget for 2021 that improves our state, meets the needs of Michigan families, and avoids a repeat of last year's reckless political games. Well, we'll be following the reckless political games uh, in the coming months, so it'll be exciting to see how all this works out. Uh, and that's what we've got for you for our news segment today. So thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe if you haven't already. Give us a rate on iTunes. Reviews never hurt. And go ahead and uh, like our Facebook page to keep up with all the posting that we don't do. I'm working on getting better at that, people. Um, so, yeah, like the Facebook page. Uh, interact with it. Uh, the more people interact with the Facebook page, the more popular it is. 
and we will have more time to post now that everything is shut down for coronavirus. So thank you so much for being loyal listeners, and we'll see you on Friday for our opinion segment. My name's Thomas. And I'm Jim. And we'll see you Friday. Thank you.